0: Canada Day on Parliament Hill can be a lot of fun for the whole family. There is live music, fireworks, and plenty of speeches from our leaders about the greatness of our country and our history. It's a chance to celebrate and commemorate. It's a chance to be Canadian. Yet, during these festivities, chances are you won't end up hearing much about one fateful Canada Day in 1935 that saw one of our country's most famous riots. During the early 1930s and the dark days of the Great Depression, many unemployed men who had been put out of work by the tough economic times and who could no longer make ends meet looked to their government for help. These men sought a decent wage that could support them and get them off the streets. What many of them got were government-operated relief camps where they could perform menial and physical labor. But these relief camps were often isolated from communities and cities, they offered minimal compensation, and demanded a a six-and-a-half-day work week in addition to providing unhealthy living and work conditions. It did not take long for the men to begin protesting their situation and the government's treatment of the unemployed.
1: About 4,000 men came in in March. Our demand was for work and wages at trade union rates and the abolition of the slave camps. Our main slogan was negotiation with the federal government. All right. The federal government won't come to us. I move that we go to Ottawa." Well, there was a stunned silence. It was so revolutionary.
0: Deciding to take their message and concerns to the Prime Minister himself, hundreds of men began boarding boxcars on Canada's Pacific Railway in June 1935, with the intention of traveling across the country, from Vancouver all the way to Ottawa. Their voyage became known as the On to Ottawa Trek. But Prime Minister Richard Bennett, fearful of the protesters and unwilling to come to an understanding with their representatives, ordered the Royal Canadian Mounted Police to deal with the protesters, who had only made it to Regina by this time.
1: We had one half hour with the government, the Prime Minister. He told us that we were communists, we had no anxiety for work, and all we wanted to do was run around the country starting trouble. They came down with the express purpose of stalling us until they gathered sufficient reinforcements to, uh, to uh, smash us up.
0: So, on that fateful July 1st, 1935, protesters and mounted police clashed in the streets of the Sticks, rocks, batons, and guns were all wielded in the fight that ensued. A protester and a police officer both lost their lives. Many more protesters suffered gunshot wounds. And more than a hundred of them were arrested. Prime Minister Bennett lost the election later that year by a landslide. His inspiring speeches didn't seem to line up with his very unpopular policies.
1: Our country faced the problem. The great dark days of depression were upon us. Unemployment was rife. The industrial fabric shivered and shook. And so our world, our little world, became indeed greatly depressed not confined to one community or two. The manufacturer has suffered. The farmer has suffered. The man who toiled by the day has suffered. In every branch of human activity, in every avenue of effort, men and women have suffered. They have suffered as they have never suffered before. That is a problem for the Canadian people that the Canadian people met by regarding national calamity. And making contributions from every province of this dominion of clothes of vegetables of everything that made that would make life possible that was the achievement of those who realized that life was indeed a trust that all men are our brothers and that we do not live unto ourselves alone on the hill old bennett stands smiling big and shaking hands Heading Parliament in session, right now another check. Way out west, the worker fights, gonna stand up for his rights. Sick and tired of this depression, starting on the Ottawa track.
0: Although these men did not succeed in obtaining what they had protested for from the Prime Minister, Bennett's historic loss in the face of their opposition and a flagging economy made sure that his successor would do more to recognize the rights of workers. Despite being unpopular at times, as well as targets of businesses and governments alike, various unions and activists in the labor movement have managed to come out of their struggles successful. From 1935 onward, they were able to win such things as employment insurance, the right to refuse unsafe work and to be compensated for injuries sustained on the job, and maternity leave. And, as historians have explained, they were able to do this through various methods, like labor negotiations, judicial activism, strikes, acts of civil disobedience, and, of course, public political demonstrations. More recently, within the last 30 years, unions like the Public Service Alliance of Canada have been fighting the government over the recent attempts to degrade and remove some of their earlier achievements and rights. The Public Service Alliance represents many of those who work directly for the government, and a good portion of them live here in Ottawa and the surrounding areas. This makes the city home to plenty of union and labor activists, many of whom are willing to take their concerns directly to the government on its own front yard, Parliament Hill. Of these activists, I have had the opportunity to interview three individuals, each with their own story. They come from eclectic backgrounds, but in spite of their different life journeys, they have rallied together around a common cause and continue to work together to this day. Here they are.
1: I'm Barb Stewart and um, currently retired, or so they tell me. Previously, in my former life... I was a federal government employee with the Canada Revenue Agency, and I was a local president with the Union of Taxation Employees here at the Ottawa Tax Services Office, and I was a local president for 21 years. was active with the Public Service Alliance of Canada as well in, you know, union things regionally, nationally, so that's been
2: my, my fun. Uh, My name is Arthur Karkner, and I'm retired, and I was born in a small town near Winchester. I'm an early school leaver. I've never graduated from anything, but I've never stopped studying, and uh, that's pretty much my philosophy. I was raised a Baptist, and uh, my dad had many expressions, one of which was giving people shit in boxcar letters. So whenever you're trying to make a point to people, the idea that you would put it on a placard and walk up and down the street with it, a lot of people just never ever would do that. And it didn't bother me to do that. In fact, I felt very satisfied to do that. The area I grew up in was very repressive and uh, religious and conservative. So conservative that it makes my teeth hurt when I go there. I would define myself in opposition to that. When I was 13, I was sitting in the basement of a Baptist church in a small town while racists in the U.S. South were firebombing Baptist churches. And I thought, holy shit, there is something afoot. There are forces in this world that are um, deeply destructive.
0: So Arthur's motivation to demonstrate is fed by the idea that if you have certain values... You need to declare them and make a public and effective expression of those values. In his hundreds of protests on the Hill, he has been involved with such demonstrations as Idle No More and protests against the Israeli bombing of Lebanon. He concluded,
2: My interest in um, doing that type of activism is I, I don't consider politics to be a spectator sport, but it is a spectacle. For example, demonstrations against Canada's participation in the Iraq War were instrumental in Canada not becoming directly involved in the Iraq War.
0: And finally, last but not least... My name is Bob Hatfield. I was uh,
3: born in England in 1948. I came to Canada in 1969. I thought I was staying for a year, but I'm still here. I uh, spent most of my working life working in union education, more than 30 years. I'm retired now.
0: And like Arthur, Bob wanted to share some of his earlier years and his upbringing and how they related to his activism.
3: Yeah, I, I was raised a Methodist. When I joined the Methodist church at about the age of 14, the, the minister said, we don't actually uh, take an official political line in the Methodist church. But I think you'll find that, that most Methodists are labor people. And so the, the, the church atmosphere that I was raised in was one of social gospel, doing good, looking after the poor and the, uh, the widows and the orphans. That, that made a big impression on me. I was also a boy scout. One thing that stuck with me that baden Paul said, he said, try to leave the world a better place than, than you found it. And that always struck me. So those were very early, formative kind of influences. You know, when I grew older and realised that I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life, it made sense to me to uh, work in unions because that was that was a way to uh, help people to help themselves and to make the world a better place and fight for justice and equality and... Um, And part of that work involves activism, so uh, there was my work that I did as as a a union educator, but, you know, I was involved with the NDP, and I would attend demonstrations on my own time and stuff like that.
0: These three individuals represent just a tiny grouping of the many different workers' rights advocates in Canada today and in the history of the labour movement. But... As I quickly found out, and as you will learn throughout the rest of the episodes in this chapter, Barb, Arthur, and Bob have some truly exceptional experiences, insightful perspectives, and some fascinating tales to tell. While Barb originally became involved with her union's activities through a curiosity in what her union dues were being spent on, Bob and Arthur came from childhood upbringings that led them down a path to activism. All three of them came of age after the Second World War, during a period, especially in the 1960s and 70s, when public protest and youth activism became an even greater part of the political process throughout democratic countries. In addition to workers' rights, other issues came to the forefront of public discourse due to the efforts of various activists and their large-scale political demonstrations. These included the Vietnam War, environmentalism, civil rights, feminism, and Quebecois sovereignty, to name a handful and throughout their lives, Barb, Arthur, and Bob never seem to have limited themselves to fighting for just one cause. Indeed, together, over the course of their decades-long careers in activism, they not only attended hundreds of different protests, strikes, and marches, but they also occupied various leadership and organizing roles. It is no small feat to mobilize and harness a few hundred people as a physical political force. In fact, they also just happened to have been involved in one of the largest union demonstrations ever organized on Parliament Hill. Tune in to the next episode for that story.